put up with these two my answer good snacks and video games hey you guys what's going on welcome to episode 468 now of the ron and don show and yeah we are live from the les schwab studio what is up ron and don nation hey coming up on the ron and don show do you say i'm sorry a lot well i'm sorry you're supposed to stop saying you're sorry if you want your personal power back yeah this is what you're supposed to say I don't know if it's any better. We'll tell you coming up. Also, Kanye West, they say, uh, ye will never be able. He will never be able to come back from what he has created for himself. We'll get to that, though. Let's get to this. This is kind of interesting. Uh, I was reading an article the other day about how American news is broken. And is there an opportunity as we go through this election cycle to fix it? Uh, Ron, what say you? Is the American uh, news system and presentation, is it broken? Uh, I mean, I don't know if the news, it depends on how you define news. So like when I, when I think of, when you say the word news to me, just because of you know what I studied in college and the fact that we worked in some newsrooms, news to me means someone that's an actual bona fide reporter that goes out and gets sources and, and does actual uh, reporting versus something that's like a talk show where you come on and, and this is a version of what we did for years and years on Cairo where you read a bunch of things and you give your opinion. So if you if if I think that model is broken. I think the the people the talking heads that give opinions about uh other people's stories or create their own stories out of whole cloth with no reporting behind them, I think that is broken. I think if news with a capital N, where you actually do a piece of journalism, so two that pop into my mind off the top of my head is, you know, Maggie Haberman has this new book out uh, about the former president, where she does actual reporting. She'll go back and find documents to support what she says, or she'll do an actual interview with someone that had firsthand knowledge of an event, and then she takes all of those pieces of information and writes a narrative about it, that's actual reporting. And if you go, well, that didn't happen right then, she can go back to a piece of paper or evidence that says, yes, it did. Here's where I got this information from. This is when it happened. And here's how I support that argument. That to me is news. Or you hear, think about um, uh, Woodward and Bernstein, uh, you know, Woodward's new uh, audio tapes that he released where it's like, hey, this is, these are facts. These conversations actually happened. Uh, I'm going to play you the sound of the conversation that I had with the former president so you can hear it with your own ears. I'm not making this up. This isn't a, a media conspiracy. This isn't the government coming in and trying to make fake news. This is actual news because I have, as the, as the kids say these days, I have the receipts. So I don't think that is broken. I think it's people's ability to understand the difference. I think that's what's broken. I think the general population is not very literate at knowing how how does one arrive at a fact versus how does one arrive at an opinion and what the difference is between belief and fact. Yeah. 
Isn't it hard for a lot of journalists out there, Ron, who really do want to have one, two, three sources? Isn't it very hard for them to take their time? Because somebody on Twitter, for instance, is going to beat them to the punch with the story. And if the story's wrong, no one seems to care. No one apologizes anymore. You just you, you just keep moving forward. So it's really hard to break news anymore or really take the time to do good journalism. Number one, somebody has to pay for it. And number two, somebody has to pay attention. And a lot of times, uh, I don't know if the news is broke. I think uh, the way that we read the news, interpret it, look at it, feel about it, uh, react to it, respond to it. I think that's something that's maybe broken us. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm going through a book right now uh, from written by Michael Lewis, the guy that did Moneyball, and it's about Danny Kahneman, uh, who you know the guy that that sort of created him and his 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 co-author. They created the stuff on behavioral economics, which has really changed the world that we live in. And it's all about the biases we have. And it's all about what you value and whether or not uh, you are willing to let go of something. So, like the classic example is, if you if if I give you, um, let's say I give you a choice between a coffee mug and and five dollars, and you're like, oh, I really like that coffee mug. It's a, it's a Seahawks coffee mug. I'm a Seahawks fan. Then you take that coffee mug, and now you you own that coffee mug. And it's your it's your property. And then if I offer you now six dollars for that coffee mug, you don't want to take the six dollars because all of a sudden now that you've taken possession of the coffee mug, it's now worth more to you than the original. It, even though it just I just told you it was worth five dollars, mm-hmm. and now I'll go up to six dollars, and then to seven dollars, and up to ten dollars, and there. It's interesting how valuable that mug now has become to you, and many people will not sell the mug now that they have the mug, even though they could take $15 for it, turn around and buy it the exact same mug for five, having possession. So when people have internalized an idea around the news, and it's become part of their identity, they do not, it now becomes more valuable to them than some objective truth. So if you think that the government is going to switch votes at the ballot and that feeds into some sort of narrative that we have the midterms uh, here and that this is something that happens, it's really difficult if you don't recognize that bias to give that belief up because it's now valuable to you. And so even though you can go, that's never been proven, there's no evidence, you can't cite any evidence, the, the val- it has value to you inherent to you. And so I think if we taught these biases to kids, like it should be standard curriculum in schools of all the biases. So you can grow up and you can go, this is real. This is belief. I'm biased in this way. Here's what an actual fact is. You can now have the tools to navigate these stories and know a little bit more closely what is real and what isn't real. Yeah, here's what I don't understand, especially with all these Republicans that are running and they're embracing what the former president believes that our elections are rigged. If they're rigged, then why are you running? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why why would you be running in a rigged election? You're participating in, in something that you're saying is rigged. I think of the greatest chess player in the world. And you know what he did? He walked away from the game because he said, the game right now is rigged. I'm not playing. Until we get this figured out, I'm not playing. I'm out. 
I'm really surprised if there's a lot of politicians out there that really believe our elections in America are rigged, then why are you running in an American election? Why? Yeah, it makes absolute no sense. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't remember. What did the, did the article say how to fix it, or did it suggest any? any I, I think a lot of it, it comes down to this. It's, it's opinion. It's not really journalism. It's like what Ron was just talking about. CNN headline news uh, didn't do well, so they had to get rid of it because people did, didn't want the headlines. Uh, when news organizations, especially local ones, try to do like a half hour of happy news, you can't even do three minutes of happy news and, and have people uh, turn on any any new local newscast tonight uh, here in the Seattle area, and it'll just be about drugs, and it'll be about murders, it'll be about shooting, be about, it'll just be about that stuff, because that's what people click on. That's what people watch. Wait, wait, uh, that's, where, that's, where, that's where people spend their time. One Be- of my favorite things was there was this QAnon rabbit hole and a, a journalist infiltrated this group. And what he, what they basically did is invented journalism. So they all started, they all had this weird belief. They started arguing over it. It got nastier and nastier until someone finally was like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to go investigate this, went and talked to some people, came back to the group and like told them what he found. So they basically invented journalism <laughs> yeah. and the journalist was in there just going, you guys are inventing <laughs> a thing that already existed yeah. where you go verify a fact. Right, yeah. It's information, and we entertain you with it. It's infotainment. It's not really journalism, you guys. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, it's Ronnie Don here for our partners for over a decade, Les Schwab. And you know what? Winter is on the way. I hate to say that, but winter is on the way. It might not feel like it right now. It is right around the corner. So if you have designs like I do, I bought my Epic Pass. I want to go skiing this year. You've got to make sure your tires are on point and that's what les schwab is all about so right now they're doing their fall tire sale you can save up to 200 dollars on a set of four select tires with les schwab financing just in time for winter driving schedule your appointment right now online at les that's les schwab tires where they've been doing the right thing since 1952 Attorney Ann Fitzpatrick needed to move to Tacoma for family reasons and turned to Ron and Don for help. The market was tight, but Ann spotted what could be the perfect house. It was Thanksgiving Day, though, so she emailed the guys and told them, hey, don't worry about it until tomorrow. And of course, they ignored what I said about don't work on Thanksgiving. And we immediately got in with an inspector the very next morning, uh, you know, immediately started strategizing. Ron and Don told them there'd be plenty of competition and a fierce bidding war. So instead of waiting, they came up with a strategy to put on the full court press and make an early offer to convince the seller to go with Anne. We actually managed to scoop up this house before anybody else had a chance. So if you're looking to buy in such a tight market anywhere around the sound, you need a team on your side with deep expertise, creativity, and tireless dedication to their clients 24-7, even on holidays. And it all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down at ronanddonsitdown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me at ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us as your licensed real estate agents, here's how you can get in touch. Yeah, email me, ron at ronanddon.com. Uh, it's been fun this last uh, couple months. We've uh, had some buyers that have closed that are like, hey, I get it. Interest rates are high right now but competition is low so i'm going to get this house that i want 
and then anticipate that in 12 months or in 18 months, I'll be able to refinance, capture savings that way. But the money I'm saving now, because I don't have nine offers I'm competing against, is worth way more than uh, what I'm paying in the interest rate. So, uh, man, there's a lot of opportunity right now if you want to be a buyer in this market. Yeah, you buy it now, and then they say interest rates in the third quarter of 2023 will start coming down again. And, and we'll see interest rates back in the fours, probably the high fours. I don't think you're going to see twos and threes again. I, do, I just don't think we're going to see that. But I do think we'll see high threes into the fours, maybe low fives. Money is supposed to cost something, so it costs something. So you'll spend hundreds of dollars to save tens of thousands of dollars. Right. <laughs> anyway, if you need us, let's sit down. Ronadonsitdown.com. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, Kanye West... Uh, wants to be known as Yi, I guess is my understanding. And then also is it Kyrie Yee or Yay. Yeah, Kyrie Irving, who as of a moment ago was just uh I think was he fined or was he told, hey, you gotta sit down for five games in the NBA because some of the things that you're saying about Jewish people right now that is not okay. Uh, Kanye West saying some things about Jewish people that is not okay. As a result of that, they say the billionaire is now back to being a millionaire. And overnight, at one point, he's worth, uh, I guess he's worth $1.2 billion because of he owned 10% of the Adidas deal. Uh, and he has sold a lot of shoes for Adidas over the past 10 years. They say as he wakes up this morning, maybe he's worth about $400 million. That's still a lot of money, though, isn't it? Anyway, uh, what say you about Kanye West, Kyrie Irving, and and what's going on here? How come this is all of a sudden an issue? It's interesting because I just went to I went to Steve Kerr's last game as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I was in on the East Coast with my brother, and we were in Brooklyn, so oh, we wow. went to a Brooklyn Nets game, cool. and there was a lot of chatter around Kyrie Irving. But uh, Kanye first. So... Kanye for me has been a real enigma because on the one hand, if you follow popular music, his contribution to hip hop specifically is undeniable. Like he, his producing talent, um, his, his albums that he's put out, the contributions he's made, the songs, uh, you can just go down. The, the work speaks for itself in terms of popularity and impact on pop culture. So you have that where it's sort of like the old the old Jim Rome thing, hey, scoreboard. When you just look at the scoreboard on his music, you, you can't, there's no scenario where you can't say he's influential and, and has had a huge impact. Then he came out and talked openly about his mental health. And people were critical of him around some just things that he would do. And, you know, with Taylor Swift, he came up and, and had some erratic behavior. Then he came out and said, hey, living in this spotlight that's so intense, I have mental health issues. And I'm going to try to be transparent about those. And I think a lot of people went, okay, wow, I'm going to give you a little bit more room here because you're being you're you're revealing these mental health struggles and yeah that is a lot so now you know then he marries kim kardashian and you know goes into that phase of his life that marriage ended and he started acting erratically again and so and his mother died which is a big point in his life and then somehow he and i don't know if this is a mental health issue or just a philosophical one you know he he became tied to these really fringe beliefs that try, I haven't done a deep dive on it, 
But there's this fringe narrative that tries to tie kind of African-American identity with this anti-Semitic thing. And I, I don't even want to go down the rabbit hole, but he has sort of subscribed to that viewpoint and put it out there. Um, and he just keeps doubling down. I think that's the thing that where he shot himself in the foot. I think if he had sort of recognized and said, hey, I know I'm being erratic. Let me apologize. I was off my meds or what, whatever the scenario is. He keeps doubling down and tripling down on this narrative. And I don't think there's a lane for him to really recapture the, the place he had in popular culture at this point. No. What do, I, what do you think? You know, I, I don't like what he says, but, but I can see his, his mental illness on display for all of us. And I, I, I feel like he's deeply hurting people, but mostly he's deeply hurting himself and his kids and his family. And, uh, and I think Kim Kardashian to her credit, I think we've seen a lot of good things in her where, where she has tried to keep him upright and hasn't gone after him. And not only did he go after her pretty publicly, but also the people that she dates in a very controlling way, in a very controlling fashion. And it's pretty gross to see that. But again, I just, if you know people that struggle with bipolar, you see someone struggling. I, I know what I'm seeing before my eyes and, and, and it's, it, it's painful for all of us to watch it. So anyway, we'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, I'm sitting here with Mitch Weeks right now, one of the great sponsors of the Ron and Don show. He is a mortgage broker, and you can find out more about him at Mitch.loans. Hey, a really cool time to be creative when it comes to being a buyer, and there's sellers right now that are stepping up and saying, let me help the buyer by doing something called a buy-down, right? Yeah, they are. And it's one of those things that's beneficial for both sides. Sellers give money up front for the buyers to buy down their rate and save money for the life of the loan. It's a really creative solution, really working for a lot of people. Yeah, there's also something called a 2-1. What's a 2-1? A 2-1 is where you get your rate bought down 2% for the first year, 1% for the second year, and then after that, you're home free in your current rate. But it's great savings up front, and then you have a chance to refi over the next two years. Yeah, good news, good time to be a buyer, good time for sellers to be creative and help that buyer. And Mitch, you can help everyone. Uh, how do people reach out? Go to Mitch.loans, set up a meeting, and let's figure out a creative solution for you. All right, you guys, and before we get out of here, uh, I'm sorry is something that uh, my son says a lot. And I pulled him aside one day and I said, what are you really sorry about? And what we found out is there's no need to be sorry. He was learning something new, hadn't figured it out yet, was in the midst of figuring it out. And I said, you know, anytime you're going to be bold and try to figure out something new uh, and you make a mistake, there's no reason to be sorry. So we talked about what being sorry is and what it's not. My mom used to tell me when I was a little kid, and I'll always remember this, that I'm sorry means I'm really, 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 really going to try to not do that again and to change my behavior, which I think a lot of times we just say I'm sorry and we keep doing whatever the hell we want to do. So uh, nonetheless, some new research out says you need to be careful about saying I'm sorry too much. Because uh, you're giving your personal power away, right? Yeah, and this article was written by a a woman 
and I think specifically uh, in business a lot, she says she feels a lot of pressure or the culture of the professional workplace. Like, for instance, little examples like, uh, you know, you you attend the Zoom meeting and you're two minutes late, and then you have to feel apologizing uh, and that sort of thing. And she she said once she tracked how many times she was saying sorry through the day, she realized that it had become a crutch mm. that she was constantly apologizing, and it put her at a disadvantage in in all of these relationships and interactions where she was basically as a one down communication. I'm I'm putting myself below the other person and subservient to the other person by constantly saying sorry for things that may not even be in my control. Uh, and when you take that out of your vocabulary, like you said, and you're only sorry the times when you actually need to be sorry, uh, those other times you can keep a more um, a one across type of communication level and power structure, especially in the workplace. And I think it also works in interpersonal communicate relationships, if you're with a partner that's domineering or wants to always be the top dog, if you, the other person, constantly is sorry for things, even if they're they shouldn't be, that power dynamic is really not healthy and it's not good for you. Not that you want to flip it and you become the one up person and make you know put your boot on their neck, but trying to find it. it it takes a lot of maturity to get to that point where you can be like, okay, we're going to be equal, and I want to treat you as a as a peer, and I want the, to demand that you treat me as a peer, um, and and this is a really good baby step in that direction is to monitor uh, how much you are apologizing for things that are not a not your fault, b not in your control. And if you're using it as a crutch, you're creating this differential that now you have to overcome in every scenario, whether it's friendships, business, or a romantic partner. I don't know. It was an interesting thing to track and to see how many times uh, you do that in a day. Yeah. And I, I think for me, as I get older, I, I am more sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Because you just realized <laughs> how stupid you were in your 20s, 30s, and into your 40s and 50s. And so, 60s and 70s. Yeah, so so it's a it's a constant uh, for me. Anyway. Hey, you guys. Thanks for stopping by the Ron and Don Show. Don't be sorry for that. We really appreciate you. If you need to reach out to us, is your broadcasters, your realtors, your friends, this is how you can do it. Yeah, Ron at ronanddon.com. Don is at Don at ronanddon.com. Our website is ronanddonsitdown.com where you can see everything about the radio show. You can see everything about our real estate business, and there's ways uh, for you to reach out to us. Yeah. All right, you guys. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time for the next episode. Yeah, drops in just a few days from now. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.